Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, we are live again from the Wisconsin Sports Heroics and Wisco Fanatics Facebook pages, as well as the Wisco Fanatics YouTube page. Uh, I want to thank our sponsor, Parker Johns, for sponsoring the show um, when it gets time for Packer season, and you know, even now, uh, when you need game day food, Parker John's wings, pizza, ribs, it's all delicious. And now that we are into the beginning of August, we are going to announce the winner of the first $25 gift card. We'll be giving one away uh, every month. And we are happy to say that the winner for July is Tim Rossing. Um, been a fan of the show for a while so i want to thank tim for following the show and sharing the show which is how you get those gift cards so for the month of august every time you share the show whether it's posts or videos um whatever you share from the show uh we see that we write it down and then at the end of the month we'll uh we'll do a random uh a randomization of the people that share the show and um, that'll be the winner for august so every time you share it gives you another chance to win and we want to thank Tim Rossing for sharing the show. So he is our winner for July. So $25 gift card for Parker John's coming your way. Yes, sir. Enjoy them wings, right. man. <laughs> wings and cheese curds. That's the way to go. Hey, right. welcome to Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> All right. So we're going to jump right in. Um, last week, it's been now um, a little over a week since the uh, – since we talked, yeah, there you go, Tim. There's Tim in the comments. Hell yeah, thanks. Thank you. Thank you for following the show and uh, and spreading it around. That's that's what we're trying to do. All right, so we talked about the game one versus the Pirates, and now we're going to finish talking about games one or games two and three. Um, so, Jake, let's talk about the finishing of that sweep against the Pirates. And um, when we talk about game three, I'm going to hit with a stat about the Brewers' pitching overall. So I will let you start. Let's talk about games two and three from that Pirate series. Okay, so for me, you know, I wanted to dive in a little bit more in my notes this week, and I challenged myself to be, you know, deeper into the Brewers. You know, we're getting deeper into the season, so I'm going to get deeper in my stats. So I wrote down the pitching stats from the games and, like, mm-hmm. the big games offensively. I mean, yep. Hauser, uh, five-innings pitch, zero on runs. You always love to see that from your starters. If they give yep. you five quality innings, you set yourself up. And Tyler's had that crazy stat about the four plus runs. Well, Brewers mm-hmm. did it in that game and they get did it in the finale. So they're just adding to that total again. Uh in the in uh, the third game or the second game on the twenty eighth, uh Kane and Urias both had two RBI doubles. I thought that was the key to the offensive output, in my opinion. And in the final game, that was just 
that was just a really good baseball team versus a not good baseball team in the Pirates. <laughs> uh, the Pirates had three total hits. The Brewers had 12 runs. So if that doesn't tell you something, I don't know what does. On uh, that game, we had double pineapple power, uh, five RBIs. Uh, he had a three-run homer in the sixth and a two-run homer in the eighth. And Telez with a two-out homer in the seventh. I'm really, really liking Telez. Me and you were just talking about, yep. you know, the contributions that we got from the new guys. And Telez has been one of those guys. He's brought power and been hitting consistently since he's been on the Brewers. Also in that game, Peralta, six innings, zero earned runs. Again, you love to see that from your starters. If you get five-plus with no earned runs, you give yourself a very, very good chance to win. What do you got, buddy? All right. So – in that second game, the Brewers won 7-3. to um, All three of their first three runs that they scored in that game came with two outs. So, you know, two-out party, it's always good to be scoring runs with two outs. Um, every that, that game, I don't know if anybody who follows the Wisconsin, the Wisco Fanatics page, I posted that day that um, every Brewers position player had a hit in that game, um, led by Avi Garcia, was three for five. So they really had a, a good team outing there. Um, this is another one of those, I mentioned it last week, um, like a tandem start. So, mm-hmm. you know, Hauser went five innings, you know, sometimes he goes more, sometimes he goes, you know, right around that. But then they put in Eric Lauer, another starter behind him to kind of save the bullpen, which is now something that's a really weird situation with a bunch of guys on the injured list for COVID. Um, maybe going to see news today. I'm going to keep an eye on it during the show to see if we get news about Christian Yelich. Um, oh, here we go. Um, right now, Adrian Hauser has tested positive for COVID. Um, yep. So Adrian Hauser probably going to be on the injured list for about 10 days. Um, no news on Christian Yelich yet. It says he has cleared the COVID protocols, but the Brewers have not activated him yet. So that still leaves, uh, Josh Hader who did pitch, um, in that seven to three win gave up two runs. Um, I think he was probably just rusty. It's been 11 days since his last outing before that yeah. game. Um, so that's, yeah, that's, uh, that's why you got to get your bullpen guys work. And it's why, how that's why council is doing the tandem start thing. He's got to make sure everybody's getting work because, you know, while you don't want to overwork your players, you also don't want to underwork your players. Um, and yeah, McQuay, dude, the, the Brewers thing, it's I've just got a notification now with Hauser. So that's, that's Hauser, yeah, Peter, <laughs> and Gustavi, who also tested positive now. Uh, Nick Cousins and Hunter Strickland, in addition to Christian Yelich. And yeah, McQuaid, we're gonna talk about it uh, right before the biggest series of the season so far. Um, you know, this would be you know a nice three game stretch to get a real good measuring stick of what this Brewers team has got. And now it's kind of where you have to look more at how the individual players perform more so than necessarily the end result. Not to say that I think the Brewers can't win this series because they definitely can. Um, but, you know, without guys like Hauser, Hader, um, obviously Yelich. I mean, Nick Cousins had been pitching really well. Even Hunter Strickland. I mean, he's not a flashy guy, but he's been really good for the Brewers. I think he's got eight to ten outings with the team and he's only given up runs twice. I mean, you know, the Brewers have been really good at, and David Stearns gets a lot of credit or deserves a lot of credit for finding guys that he can plug into the bullpen. But, you know, when you're down to acquiring John Axford for a dollar from the Blue Jays out of nowhere, you know, trying to trying to keep it together, 
um, you know, it puts you in a tough spot. So I give Craig Council credit for keeping the team winning and for uh, for David Stearns for for keeping personnel intact as much as, as possible and not having to reschedule any games. Um, yeah. As far as the third game in that series is concerned, um, the Brewers scored in each of the last four innings. So this is one of those things where it's going to come up during this Pirates series that when the Brewers are down late in games, like it's not over. It's not over. It's not over until it's over with the Brewers. They've come back. They've scored lots of runs late. Um, so don't don't count the Brewers out because they're good at scoring runs late. Um, and yeah, McQuaid, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the Brewers keeping the team together. Um during the pirate series as all these guys are testing positive for COVID and, and being ruled out for close contact. Um, this game, um, Lorenzo Kane on base three times scored all three. Um, you mentioned pirates, three hits as a team, Manny Pena, Rowdy Telez, Tyrone Taylor, Willie Adamas all had three hits each <laughs> I know, in, that, in that 12 to zero win. Uh, you mentioned Freddie Peralta, um, six innings pitched. This is another one of those things. He only had 68 pitches, but you got to be able to get your bullpen work. You can't you can't underwork your guys just as much as you can over overwork them. Um, Jake, I'll let you answer that question or that uh, that comment because you were just talking about him. About Rowdy, about Rowdy. Man, he's been he's been crazy, man. Uh, since he came over, I saw the stat the other day when I was watching the game. Uh, he's had five homers and 16 RBIs while batting 340 since he's been on the Brewers. For how many games? 21 or 22? 20, yeah, 21, I think. I think it was. Yeah, and on the Blue Jays, he had four homers and eight RBIs. So he's doubled his RBIs. He has more homers, and he's he only played as many games. <laughs> yeah, and he he made a he made a comment the other day talking about how this feels like home, and we mm-hmm. you know we welcome him with open arms and yep, immediately welcome. That's 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 awesome too. For, for did the you watch the post game like the other day? Which one? Uh, after what was it? It was after we played the Pirates the last game on the fourth. Um, they he talked about uh, how the Bucks fans went from saying Bobby, Bobby. Now we're gonna be saying Rowdy, Rowdy. <laughs> I, thought, I was like, that's pretty good. I hope we do. <laughs> uh, Matt Heindel said better beer. Hey, <laughs> something. I don't know what it is, but he's cranking those babies. All right, so in that game, um, I mentioned Tyrone Taylor had three hits. They're all doubles. So Tyrone Taylor just filling in for Yelich, off, offense and defense, uh, doing his thing. So Tyrone Taylor definitely been a pleasant surprise for the Brewers. Um, in this game, this final game of this series, Freddie Peralta, six innings pitched. Um, and then had Miguel Sanchez, uh, Gustave, and Devin Williams all each one inning. Um only 28 pitches to get through those three innings. So that's, you know, pitch count is something I've brought up. It's more an issue for starters, but yeah. obviously you don't want your relievers throwing a ton of pitches either. Um, to finish that shutout, the Brewers, that is their 11th shutout this season, second most in Major League Baseball. That's a stat for you. There you go. That a boy. Always doing the heavy lifting over here. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, so let's move into the Atlanta Braves series. Probably could have been a sweep, but kind of an yeah. unfortunate situation in the second game of that series. But um, I'm going to kick it back to Jake, let him give his thoughts on the Atlanta Braves series. Well, in game one, 
Uh, Brewers won nine to five. Uh, we spotted them four of their five runs in the first inning. Uh, after that, in the third inning, we got a sack fly from Navi. What do we say here? Dominus Rowdy. Yeah, I agree. Um, sack fly, and then right after that, Garcia hits a three-run homer, and we're all tied up at four. On uh, the fourth inning, Wong hit a double, you know, to score JBJ, and Adamas hit a two-run shot, and you know, it's just it's just like that with the Brewers. The Brewers can just a bloop and a blast. They're that kind of team. One guy gets on base with our speed, and Adamas Rowdy, and we, you know, and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and you agreed, and everybody knows this as a Brewers fan. We haven't even got the power surge from Yelich yet, man. So once you know that's gonna come around, I still believe it. I still believe he's too damn good to. What are you gonna say? All right, so comment just came in. It says Adamas and Rowdy and Escobar and Yelich down the stretch could be huge with our three-headed monster pitching, and I totally agree with that. As far as you know, especially with um, Adamas and Rowdy, and you know, Jake, you brought it up. You know, the bloop and the blast is kind of an identity thing for the Brewers. Um, yes. Don't lose Colton Wong in that shuffle, dude. Gets on base a shit ton. I know he's the he he's gets the on bloop. base a ton. He's the bloop to the blast, man. <laughs> and and you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it all the way up until the second game of the other pirate series. Um Lorenzo Kane coming back from injury ran up a six game hit streak real quick. Coming off of his injury. So okay. Lorenzo Kane's getting on base a ton. And that you know, we have a guy in Luis Urias who was batting leadoff while Colton Wong was injured, and now we have the luxury of being able to move him down to seven. So we have a leadoff hitter basically batting seventh in the order. So there's, I mean, there's a ton of guys that can get on base and then there's a bunch of guys that can, you know, have the, um, have the power hitting at times too. And Tyrone Taylor fits in with that too. McQuaid, I love Urias as well. Um, I've definitely been a Urias truther since we traded Arcia, but has, um, moving him over to third base in, oh man, in this, we're going to talk about it. I'm going to mention it in the second game. I, I had to text Jake when I saw it happen, Luis Urias with the web gem. Diving down the third base line into foul territory, popping up and throwing a guy out. Uh, he's come a long way since his earlier errors earlier in the season. But um, I wanted to—I mentioned it to Jake um, McQuaid, Tyler's Tyrone, Tyrone Taylor's first Grand Slam. Um, I was actually at that game, so I was one section over from where he hit that Grand Slam. Um, I mentioned to Jake I took Willie Adamas's stats. For the 65 games that he's played with the Brewers, um, he's batting 292, 14 home runs, 43 RBIs. Over the course of a 162 game season, would be 34 home runs and 107 RBI. Jeez, that's a good year for a shortstop. Well, yeah. So Willie Adams is doing his thing, and he's playing good defense for the most part. Um, and yes, in this first game of this series, Eduardo Escobar makes his Brewers debut, immediately launches a homer. So, I mean. I'm sure he is much happier to come over from the Diamondbacks who have like five wins total on the season to uh, <laughs> come over to the Brewers who are <laughs> uh, leading their division. So I will let you get back to your points in this Brave series. Um, I just – the rest of my stats, I just talked about how Burns didn't have like the greatest outing, you know, by his standards, four innings, nine innings, five earned. That's a bad game for any pitcher, especially a guy of Burns' caliber. Uh, and then I wrote down Boxberg, Cousins, Williams, Suter. Uh, they all pitched five innings, gave up one hit, one walk. I didn't tally them all at the end. But, yeah, the, the bullpen did the job, man, in that first game in a 9-5 to victory. So I thought 
You know, the Brewers, the Brewers, I don't know what, what is this? But I'm going to ask you a question now because I'm thinking about this. How are they so good on the road? They look like they struggle at home, man. You know, that's that's so weird. They have a they have a good home record. Like their record, at I know, home I know, bad. But I think the thing with being good on the road, I think it's that pitching travels better than hitting. Is yes, what I would say. And I and you know, to to your point and McQuaid's point, commenting on it here. Um, you know, Burns he struggled in that first inning, but he settled in after that. So I mean. It, he kept it to a point where, you know, he didn't give up anything extra. He didn't make it a game. You know, we had to mail it in. The Brewers are able to come back and win that game. And, you know, Burns can make it up tonight, which, you know, I mentioned it when McQuaid first commented about the Giants and this being a big series for the Brewers, that even though we're missing Hader, Yelich, you know, all the other bullpen guys, that this can still be a very good measuring stick for how good our starting pitching can be. Because we're still going to have Burns, Woodruff, Peralta, um, Anderson, you know, the guys we're missing now are Lauer and Hauser, and maybe we'll see Aaron Ashby come back up and make another start. Um, we'll see what happens with that. But this, uh, that first game of that Braves series, another game, every position player had a hit in that first game of that Braves series. Um, that's all I got for better than hitting, bro. But dude, they just hit on the road. I don't know what it is. They are so good on the road. I honestly don't want them to be on the road for a game seven against the Giants or the Dodgers. Like I don't want, to, or I don't want them to be at home. I want them to be on the road because I think they'll win. <laughs> yeah, and they they don't get they don't get rattled. Um, it's something yeah. like they're all they're like you know as as much fun as they have in the dugout and as high of energy they play with, they also play with a like a poise. You know, it's not a, you know, it's that they're it's not that they're susceptible to you know, a, a home team crowd or anything like that. So um, cool and calm and collected, I would say, for the Brewers. Um, game two, we're going to talk about. It was really annoying because Woodruff was pitching well and, you know, he misses a spot where um, I think Narvaez was catching that day and he sets up low and outside. And Woodruff pitches a breaking ball that comes in on the inside corner. Um, it's definitely a strike, but because Narvaez had to move from down here to up here, um, umpire calls the pitch a ball. And the next pitch, Woodruff mentioned it. You know, he didn't hit the spot he was looking to, and Dansby Swanson hit a two-run home run. So a pitch that should have been a third strike ending the inning turns into two runs for, for the Braves. Um, the Brewers, they didn't really come back from that. And then later in that game, um, there was a play at first base where Escobar went to make a stretch and the ball popped out of his glove and it was ruled a hit, which I thought was weird. Um, you know, I mean, I know that Escobar hasn't played first base in the major leagues until now and he's, you know, he's working on it. Um, but, you know, that for that to be ruled a hit seemed weird. Um, and then there was a grand slam by Dansby Swanson again right after that. And that's, you know, Yep. It's really unfortunate that those that those runs get um, hung on John Curtis, the newly acquired guy from the Marlins. Um, you know, it makes him it makes him look worse than what the situation was because I don't think that the the fact that that, that the ball popped out of Escobar's glove should count against him as far as earned runs are concerned. Where I would have I would have thought that, that would have been ruled an error and not a hit. Um, so then those runs all get hung on John Curtis. It's a sucky situation for him. Mm-hmm. Um, just, you know, and this is the game where 
Um, Luis Urias just had a crazy web gem again, just down the third baseline, dives in, um, and makes the play in full territory, pops up and throws the guy out. Just a, a crazy play. And like I said, he's come a long way from you know the throwing errors that he was making on, at shortstop before we traded for Willie Adamas. Um, only three Brewers had hits in this game, too, as well. Um, Colton Wong had two. Avi Garcia had two. And Lorenzo Cain had three. No other hits from the Brewers lineup in that game. And then I will kick it back to you to talk about the third game of that series. Third game was uh, everybody's love-hate relationship with Brett Anderson again. Um, and he, <laughs> picked, he pitched a great game, man. Five and two. I like third. Brett Anderson. I, I, like, him. I like him too, man. You can plug him in every fifth day, and he'll have a good outing every once in a while. I mean, lately he's been pretty consistent, in my opinion. He's he's but, been uh, pretty good most of the season. People, yeah. you know, people hang him out to dry when he gives up four or five runs once in a while. Right, but it's because he doesn't have those games where he has ten strikeouts and whatever. I get it, but and then that's yeah, that's the thing is he doesn't put up strikeout yeah. numbers, so people are like, oh, he doesn't strike people out. Yeah. Well, not everybody. We got lucky. We have three of them. Okay, just settle down. We're not gonna have five. <laughs> right. But uh, you know, Brett Anderson five and a third. Uh, he gave up one earned. Uh, three Ks. Brewers ended up winning this game two to one. Adamas got the score and started early. You know, with a solo shot at the top of the first. Um, and then uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. had a fielder's choice that allowed uh, Colton Wong, I believe, or no, Kane to score. Um, and the Brewers ended up winning that game two to one. And you know, like you say in baseball, is try to take two out of three, two out of three, two out of three, and that's Win how the you build. Yeah, that's how you that's how you build your your wins up and get momentum. And that's exactly what they do, especially on the road. I don't understand, man. They're just monsters on the road, dude. Uh, they maybe are, dude. maybe it was they the Braves were honoring Hank Aaron that weekend, so maybe that was his way of uh, giving the Brewers a a boost and saying that he prefers Milwaukee to Atlanta. <laughs> well, I prefer <laughs> Milwaukee to Atlanta too. <laughs> I've never been to Atlanta. <laughs> All right. Um, so Brett Anderson, and I've talked about this a bunch of times that, you know, it's not that you wouldn't want to have five guys in your in your starting rotation that can go and give you eight to ten strikeouts every game. Mm-hmm. But the way that Brett Anderson, Adrian Hauser, and Eric Lauer pitch is a big contrast to the way that Burns, Woodruff, and Peralta pitch, whereas the big three are power pitchers. They're going to give you just crazy fastballs. Um, Corbin Burns has a crazy cutter that he throws. It moves, and he still throws it in uh, you know up in the upper 90s, the mid-90s. Mm-hmm. Freddie Peralta gives you upper 90s. Um, in the month of July, he had four starts, 21 innings pitched, only gave up eight hits in the entire month of July. Um, but the contrast that those other three give you, being Hauser, Anderson, and Lauer, is that they're guys that pitch to get soft contact, to get a lot of ground outs. They get a lot of ground outs, a lot of soft fly outs, stuff like that. So it's, you know, while the ball is being put in play, that's not a bad thing. The Brewers are a good defensive team. So it's not a bad thing that the ball is getting put a lot in play when you have guys like Anderson on the mound. Because what that does is that's a different pitching style so that a team doesn't get used to the power pitching. You know, you face two games in a series and you go against Burns and Peralta, who are just making you whiff at everything. And now, you know, you're swinging hard because you're missing on, you know, crazy fastballs. And then you're coming into a guy who pitches, you know, five or six miles an hour slower. But, you know, now you're swinging super hard and now you're just hitting the ball straight into the ground and you're just grounding out. 
So that contrast in pitching styles, I think, works really well for the Brewers. And, you know, Anderson's had a couple games this year where he's gone seven innings with no run. No. So I, I with this is so. Um, we did see Hader bounce back in the third game of this series, so that was good to see. Um, the bullpen just lights out in that game. Anderson gave up the only run in his five and two-thirds innings. Um, 71 pitches to get through those five and two-thirds, so good job by him. And, uh, yep, this game, uh, Lorenzo Cain kept his hit streak going. That's, uh, that's really all I got for uh, the third game of that series. Yep. All right, so... Back to the Pirates. We mentioned last week that nine of the Brewers' upcoming 19 games were against the Pittsburgh Pirates. So let's talk about the Pirates again, and I will kick it back to you. Okay, so when I got to this game, I wrote down that I wanted to make a little talk. So when we talked about the Brewers, or I mean, excuse me, when we talked about the Bucks, um, and we talked about, you know, before the playoffs started, about why we thought that they had a chance to win the title, which... They did. Yeah, there you go. Oh, yeah. be- I got it right here. I got you right here. <laughs> yes, yes, sir. <laughs> Had to buy it all, baby. Um, so the reason we felt good about the Bucks' chances is because we thought that they had everything to win. They can win games by scoring 80. They can win games by scoring 130. They can play win games by out-rebounding you and, and basically just grinding it out. There's a million ways they can win games. The I, feel the same way, I feel the same way about the Brewers, right? The Brewers can play small ball, grind it out, you know, in this game to start the game, Wong hit a sack fly, 1-0 lead. You're thinking about that, you're like, okay, that's good old-fashioned baseball. Yep. Then Escobar hits a triple to right, you know, in the sixth inning. And then he hits a th- and then Escobar hits a three-run homer in the seventh, pushes the lead to six to zero. We have the we have the power, we have the small ball, we have the pitching, the bullpen, the starters. The Brewers, they have the they have players that can come off the bench and become become clutch. I mean, the Brewers have really put together a team. Kind of like the Bucks, you know, when they brought in a Bobby Portis. Nobody thought Bobby Portis would be important to a title run. He became very important. I mean, players like PJ Tucker, people were like, "Oh, he's a good player, but is he enough to help a team win this, win the you know the title?" Drew Holiday, stuff like that. You know, can Chris Middleton get it done? There's a lot of stuff with those Bucks teams that kind of mirrors this Brewers team, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. When you're looking at these players, you're like, "These are good players. Are, is it going to be enough for them to get over a big bad Dodgers, aka?" Brooklyn Nets you know what I'm saying so I really think this team you know has what it takes you know I'm seeing the ways that they're scoring I'm seeing the ways that the pitching is dominating man like this team has it all that's just how I feel you brought it up so now I'm gonna say it all right earmuff time for the kids real quick (laughs) because you brought up the Dodgers so I just want to say really quick Fuck the Dodgers. Like, dude, you really could put a team together with $290 million in your payroll? $290 million. The Brewers are spending like $96 million. And they're the same record. $290 million. You're telling me that a team already at the top of the league in salary can go and acquire Max Scherzer and Trey Turner? Seriously? For four dudes that nobody's ever heard of? Baseball needs some sort of salary cap. Yeah, they need to do. I uh, what did Brennan say? Brennan said my cousin said something about they need to do something like uh, basketball does with uh, Uh, luxury tax and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't want to like say it and be wrong, but he said something around those lines, and I agree with that, man. You got to start baseball. Baseball has a. I think it's it's called a competitive tax. 
where like if you're over, I think it's 220 million, you have to pay like a 17% tax. But the Dodgers and the Yankees don't give a shit. It's they're gonna they're gonna buy their way to relevance, and it's stupid and annoying. But um, you know, if it gets to a point where the where the buck the I almost said the Bucks because you were talking about them before. Yeah, sorry. the Brewers are playing the Dodgers in the playoffs, and the Brewers can say, "Hey, look, like we home grew this talent, full of chemistry, full of fun guys that love playing hard for each other." And you know, you mentioned all these pieces that are put in here. Mm-hmm. You know where they're the Dodgers are throwing stuff together, and you know they needed to acquire Scherzer because the guy that you know the Dodgers go from winning a championship to signing the best pitcher on the free agent market and Trevor Bauer, and now he's got legal issues going on. So mm-hmm. now they can go and acquire another former Cy Young winner and Max Scherzer just to you know replace the production that they're losing. They're just plugging and playing guys. The Brewers have a cohesive unit of players that can you know move around all over the place. And I want to give Craig Council some credit, and I want to give the players credit, and I want to give David Stearns credit. Because going and acquiring an Eduardo Escobar, when you have Colton Wong and Willie Adamas and Luis Urias playing every day and saying, hey, you know, we're gonna bring we're gonna bring in Eduardo Escobar and we're gonna get him to play some first base and we're gonna have him play some third base against right-handed pitching. It reminded me of two years ago in 2018 when the Brewers were one game away from the World Series against the Dodgers, acquiring Mike Moustakis while Travis Shaw was playing third base every day and saying, hey, we know that Moustakis plays third base. We're going to try him at second base. We're going to try Shaw at second base. We're going to play Shaw at first base, and we're going to move guys around. And Council is willing to do that, and that's the it's the money ball approach, if you want to think of it that way, about plugging and playing guys around and moving guys around that way. Um, but, I mean, the Brewers are on track for their fourth consecutive postseason appearance. And with as good as the pitching has been, I think is going to be their best chance for winning a World Series that they've had in recent memory. Hey, Josh Hader said it, man. He's been here for a long time. He said this is the best team that he's been on since he's been in Milwaukee. You know, talking about overall, like – you're talking about whole cohesiveness and you know talent wise. He's talking about this is the best team he's been on, and that's saying something because we've had some pretty good teams over the last couple of years, man. I mean, a couple of them got hot, got super, super on fire, white, crazy hot at the end of the season, which is awesome to watch. But they were still good teams. But yeah, this this Brewers team, I don't know, something feels different, dude. If we get a Craig Council September out of the Brewers, where they win like like 22 games out of 30 to finish the season. And, you know, they could win 95 games, 100 games if they go on a crazy run like that, like they have the couple, you know, the last couple real Septembers. I I, I don't count 2020 yeah, because playing a 60-game season was just stupid, and I I blame Major League Baseball for dragging their feet forever on that. Um, But getting back to the Pirates series, um, Kane's hit streak lives six games. Uh, Spoiler alert, doesn't make it to seven. But Eduardo Escobar, two extra base hits, like you mentioned, the triple and the home run. Yep. Um, Tyrone Taylor drawing walks. Uh, Eric Lauer, five innings pitched, only three hits, no runs. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. he doesn't have the sexy strikeout numbers, but he gets guys out. I was going to say that, too. Yeah, no walks. That was the main stat that I wanted to talk about, man. No walks, no free bases, man. And, you know, people, you know, seeing some people freak out in, in Facebook comments about, 
Jonathan Axford being brought back to the Brewers as you know a PR stunt or whatever. And I'm gonna say if you're winning six to zero, and there's a team that you're gonna have to force John Axford to pitch against, the Pirates are probably among the top of your choices. I mean, it's Pirates or Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks, <laughs> yeah. Pretty short so, list. <laughs> so he gave up two runs, but you know, big deal. The Brewers won six to two. Yeah. Not that big of a deal. Um, game two. Now this one, this one drummed up some controversy here because you know, as much as Mike Budenholzer took a lot of heat during the Bucks, um, you know, the Bucks postseason when they lost, Craig Council gets a lot of heat similarly. So many people calling for fire Craig Council. It's like he's been arguably the best manager we've had. Definitely the best in probably the last 20 years. So that being said, uh, Josh, Josh, Adrian Hauser <laughs> has 104 pitches in the top of the seventh inning. He's through six and a third innings. And Council said after the game, his plan was to let Hauser pitch until somebody got on base. And he gave up a walk, which is his fifth walk of the game. So Jake was just saying how important it is to not give up walks. Adrian Hauser, five walks in this game. He's at 104 pitches. Hadn't given up a hit. Gave up five walks, though. Yep. And to see all the complaining that Craig Hounsel didn't leave Adrian Hauser in to try to finish a no-hitter, mind-boggling. Yeah. I didn't look it up to see if 104 pitches was Hauser's season high, but I'm willing to bet that it is. It's damn close if it's not. He was not going to get through another two and two-thirds innings when he's already at 104 pitches. Somebody commented on a post that I made in a Brewers group that would you rather see Adrian Hauser get hurt in early August trying to win a game against the Pirates than to see him pitching in the playoffs? And somebody said it's it's demoralizing to see him come in and you know not give up any hits and then to see you know the bullpen blow the game, which we talked about the depleted bullpen. And my response to that comment was, you know what's even more demoralizing than getting a no decision in a game where you pitched well? Tommy John surgery. Yeah. You really want to you really want to try to beat the Pirates one game in early August than to have all of your players available? Like if you follow the show, we talked about it the entire playoffs. Jake said it all the time and it stuck with me. Health is a skill. I feel like that, I, if we get to a, a September where, you know, let's say the, the Reds who have the second easiest schedule remaining in baseball catch up to the Brewers. Let's say the Reds get crazy hot and we're in a position where we need to bring up a guy from AAA to make a spot start instead of having Adrian Hauser in our rotation. Would you be happy that we sold out to try to maybe win a game in early August or would you try to win at the end of September or in the playoffs? Like Craig Council had the plan set in in his mind before the inning started, and he stuck with his plan. I trust Craig Council; he's a pretty smart guy. He's done pretty well for the Brewers this year. But the, just the crazy recency bias that comes with that—that that where he makes you know one decision that doesn't pan out—that that all of that flack comes on Craig Council. Like, why don't you try giving some credit to the Pirates for coming back from being in you know down in a game and winning a game? When the Brewers were down 7 nothing to the Cubs and the Brewers came back and won that game 15-7 to and essentially ended the Cubs' season with that series, like, 
you give the Brewers credit because they came back from when they were down. You don't say, oh, the Cubs are so terrible that they let the Brewers win the game. But when it's your team is the one that gets come back against, all of a sudden, you know, it's all your team sucks and we need to fire our manager because he didn't let Hauser go for a complete game, no hitter, when he had 104 pitches in the seventh inning. Like, it, it shit happens. And we're going to talk about it in the third game. The Brewers were down in this game, came back to win. Yep. I saw several posts saying, really, we lost the series to the Pirates before the game was even over. And then the guy we talked about just earlier, Rowdy Telez, comes in, hero of the game, pinch hit, three-run homer, and the Brewers win 4-2. to two. Go home with a series win. Yep. Devin Williams like, for this, a career this, save. It, like, baseball is a huge season. It's 162 games. Nobody's going 162 and all. People need to calm the hell down over one game. And don't give me that, oh, it's only one game, you know, you know, until you say that at the end of the season when they're, you know, they lose the the thing by, you know, they lose the division by a game. Like, that day, the Cardinals lost, the Dodgers lost, the Giants lost, and the Reds lost. All in that same day, the Brewers lost. So there was literally no ground gained by anybody. And, you know, you know, you can say, you know, the Brewers could have gained while everybody else lost, but it's like, it's a situation that didn't hurt them, but it could have if you let Hauser go for 120 pitches. That could have hurt him. That's true. Because if you get into a situation where it becomes a Tommy John issue, that's a one-year recovery, minimum. It's like an ACL, but for an arm. Exactly. So the fact that, you know, I could see maybe Burns, Peralta, Woodruff getting closer to 110 pitches area. But Adrian Hauser, who's a guy that you usually want to take out before he makes a mistake, not after. Letting him get over 90 pitches. Letting him even come out for the beginning of that seventh inning. You know, you could have been perfectly fine with Adrian Hauser giving you six innings and no-hit baseball. Like, yeah, you want to see those walks come down, and that's something that I talk about a lot is, you know, pitch like the pitch control and the pitch counts, wanting to keep those down. But to, to get on Craig Council for not letting Hauser try for a no-hitter when he's at 104 pitches is it's a little out of control. Great. So the Brewers, in that second game of that series, they ended up losing. Um, nine hits as a team all came from just four guys. So we've talked about some of these other games where they you know every position player's had a hit and they're doing the team effort. You know, this game, nine hits all from just four guys. Um, let's go back to the winning side of it and let's talk about the third game of that series. Jake, what did you have from that game? I wrote down, uh, Brett Suter got his 10th win, which is still incredible. <laughs> this guy's going to lead our team in wins. <laughs> uh, Devin Williams, like I said, he got his first ever career, uh, save. Yeah. Uh, so you see was- the last pitch that he threw to get that save. What'd you say? You see the last pitch that he threw to get that save. I actually didn't see the last pitch. No. 98-mile-an-hour fastball. Atta, baby. Um, I changed a lot of diapers lately in my house. Um, and my daughter chooses to only shit her pants when I'm at <laughs> home. So she just leaves all the best diapers for me. Um, but I, di- I do turn the TV up really, really loud, and my girlfriend yells at me because I want to hear the game if I can't watch it. So I did hear the ending of the game. Um, but, yeah, like you said, Telez comes in, man. Uh, you know, he talked about it at the end of the game too, where he just fouled off a pitch and all of a sudden he comes right back over the plate 
And right away, baby, you you heard that song. Oh, he knew. That. He stood and watched it. Oh, yeah. The pitcher knew right away, too. Like I said, you could just hear and yeah. you see the launch angle, and you're just like, oh, yeah, that puppy's flying. It was like yeah. 425 feet or something like that. Yeah, he, he launched it. He, he Yeah, he didn't even start jogging to first base. He watched that one fly. Yeah. Um. So that that's what I was talking about when I made my little speech, and I talked about people coming off the bench and coming in clutch. You know, He comes in pinch hit situation, and it's a three-run bomb, and it's like those are the moments where I'm like, okay, okay, we're, we're, we're going to do something here. You know, we're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about the Giants here, and we have a big series against the Giants, obviously. And you know, you were talking the other uh, just earlier about how we didn't gain any ground, nobody gained ground, we didn't lose ground. Well, we got three games against the Giants right now. We're four games behind them, and there's plenty of season left. We actually play them again in a four-game series, August 30th through September 2nd. So we have seven games against the Giants to make up four games. Seven games to make up four games. So, I mean, we got plenty of opportunity. The Dodgers are still going to play the Padres and That's the Giants. That's what I was going to say next, yeah. They're, 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 they're all going to beat up on each other. So yep. if we just take care of our business, take two out of three, that mindset, two out of three, three out of four, do our business, get Keep some winning series. good pitching. And yep. the Brewers are in a great position right now. I am as relaxed as I'm going to be for the rest of the year with the Brewers until playoffs because then it's going to get real. Yep. So in this game, I mentioned it. Luis Urias, spoiler alert, was coming back. Um, he had another great dive and play on the third baseline, picked it up, threw him out. Just, just nuts from Luis Urias, and he's come quite a long way in a pretty short amount of time as far as his defense is concerned. And if you had placed bets on who was going to be the first pitcher to double-digit wins for the Brewers, willing to bet there would be no bets placed on Brent Suter, but here he is with 10 wins. Um, so, Freddie Peralta, six innings, six hits, two earned runs, nine strikeouts. This is his first game since June 16th, giving up more than five hits in a game. I know, that is... Wow. Freddie Peralta leads the NL in hits per nine innings. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds, the only thing hurting the Brewers is COVID. Yeah, we mentioned that here and there, talking about the bullpen. So, as far as um, really going excited forward, for new movie, by the way, man, I'm really looking forward to that next Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to. <laughs> Anyways, back to the Brewers, buddy. <laughs> All right. Um, Colton Wong, I mentioned him before when you were talking about, you know, the bloop and the blast situation. Yes, Colton sir. Wong has been a kind of an unsung hero for this team because he gets on base so much. Um, yeah. yeah, two more hits in this game, two walks. In his last six games, he's batting 364. He's 18, 18 hits in his last six, or no, eight hits, eight for 22, batting 364 in his last six games. So Colton Wong getting on base a ton. Um, <laughs> and I want to give Eduardo <laughs> I want to give Eduardo Escobar some credit. Um, he drove in the first run of the game um, on a pitch that kind of jammed him, and he just just swung his bat out there and dropped a hit into right field. So we talked about it, Eduardo Escobar, the power hitter, dropping triples and homers, but you know he can also shorten up the swing and just hit for some contact, something that Lorenzo Cain does really well. And uh, Eduardo Escobar finished three for four in this game, five for 11 with two walks in the series. Um, that's all I got for that game. Um, 
I do want to give Manny Pena a real quick shout out or shout out because he always plays good defense no matter how many games in between he goes playing. Um, you know, he gets the strike him out, throw him out, double play. Um, I know all the Brewers pitchers appreciate Manny Pena being there to back up all star Omar Narvaez. So I uh, want to give Manny Pena a shout out for always being good on defense, even though he doesn't play a lot. So. Just came in, saw the comment. Um, the only thing hurting the Brewers is COVID, and it's absolutely true. So as we talk about this, Yelich, don't know if he's activated yet. Um, they said they might get some baseball activity in before activating him, but that's where we're at. Um, Hunter Strickland, Jake Cousins, Josh Hader, uh, Gustave, Lauer, and now Hauser, all on the injured list with the COVID situation. Um, it's, you know, we want to say that this is a good measuring stick series, but, um, you know, with the, the bullpen being as depleted as it is, it's going to be more of a, a situation where we look at just the starting pitching and the hitting, um, you know, we mentioned no Yelich, but Tyrone Taylor's playing well in his absence. So we can still look at the hitting and say, Hey, we're going to play a good team. Let's see what we can do. Um, what I will say that as far as, you know, the, the depletion of the team goes is that if we can get seven innings plus out of our starters i like the brewers chances we can turn over to you know brad boxberger who's been really good um you know brent Suter has been pretty solid for most of the year he's had a couple bad outings but um and then devin williams who struggled really at the beginning of the year has really picked it up since then and he's been steadily improving so devin williams getting back to his you know rookie of the year um you know pitching very, very well, locating his pitches better, you know, just throwing absolute gas with his fastballs. And then he's got arguably the best changeup in the game. His changeup is so disgusting. It's not even fair. Um, they call it the airbender on the show, all the, on the on the broadcast all the time. So that's, you know, you could just go watch a, a five-minute video on YouTube of Devin Williams throwing changeups and just sit there with your jaw open the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, you know, if the Brewers can get some some pitch count control by the starters and, you know, have their starters go a little bit deeper into games, um, you know, the Brewers can still do some damage in this series. And, you know, maybe they'll get some production from some places they're not expecting it. You know, Rowdy Telez or, you know, some of the other guys that are, are in the bullpen. We'll see what happens. I mean, we'll just uh, – we'll see what happens, you know. And, yes, Ryan Reynolds, again, we got uh, – Got Deadpool hopping in the comments. Council needs to use up some of the starters rest he's been saving this week. Um, we talked about it in the beginning of the Pirates series, uh, the second game of the previous Pirates series about the the tandem starters mm-hmm. using Hauser and Lauer in the same game and using last week against the White Sox using Peralta and Hauser in the same game. And now, you know, that extra rest has gotten us into a position now where – Council can push it with the starters a little bit because he's been saving them. So that's a really good point. That's a really, you know, that's something that council doesn't get credit for doing. You know, it's not something that's in the front of your mind when you're thinking about pulling Freddie Peralta with 51 pitches and letting somebody pitch behind him. And now they're in a situation where they can push their starters a little bit because their bullpen's depleted. So when you take a step back and look at it and you say, Craig Council's a pretty good manager. And then next Monday through Thursday, we play against the Chicago Cubs AAA team after they mm-hmm. went in full fire sale mode. So um, yeah. hopefully we can get a, a four-game sweep there. 
Um, but you know, it is baseball, so anything can happen. But uh, yeah, like I said, we're playing the the Cubs Triple A team, so that's where we're at with that. Yeah, last I saw, they were down two zero to the White Sox today. Got the North South Chicago rivalry going. All right, yeah, it's just it's just South Side right now. <laughs> just South Side. All right, you got anything else, Brewers? Before we move on to the Bucks. No, sir. I am looking forward to seeing how they handle a good team like the Giants, though. So be I think it's still a measuring stick. In my opinion, it's still a measuring stick. <laughs> uh, yeah, Cubs fans playoffs this weekend. Yeah. Like I said, I I actually think the Brewers kicked off the demise of the Cubs because that three-game sweep that they put on them where they ended up losing 11 games in a row, that took their their season from, you know, maybe we can try to make it to the playoffs to full fire sale we're trading everybody except for Wilson Contreras. Yeah, it's because he's still young. That's why. Yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, the couple of the guys were like, oh, maybe we'll sign back in Chicago in the offseason, like, if the Yankees throw $300 million at you, Anthony Rizzo, you're really going to go back to the Cubs? Uh, nope. I think you'll find a nice little studio apartment in uh, <laughs> in New York. <laughs> you can DH every couple of games. Yeah. Just hang out. All right. Let's move into the Bucks. And really quick before we jump into the free agency stuff, um, I do want to shout out Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday um, playing in the gold medal game tonight. That's at 930 tonight. Um, if, if the USA wins the gold medal game tonight, Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday would become the 20th and 21st players ever to win a gold medal and a championship in the same year. That's dope. So that would be a cool thing. Um, Drew Holiday in the, in the, uh, USA game against Australia was putting the clamps on Patty Mills and, um, 11 points, eight rebounds, eight assists. So damn near a triple double in that game. So Drew Holiday's balling out. And then the last thing before we jump into free agency is uh, Chris Middleton had a baby and then went to play the Olympics. Right in yeah, between the finals and the Olympics, Chris Middleton had a baby and the next day was flying to Tokyo to play in the Olympics. So um, you can't question Pop Chris Vich. Middleton's dedication. And yes, I did see Popovich's comment. He was giving all the credit to Chris Middleton's wife for that. Hey, it is more of it is more on her, bro. She just yeah. put out a baby, and then she has to hold it down while he's gone. Oh man, that is crazy, man! <laughs> congrats to them, though. That's incredible. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, congrats to the Middleton family cool. on that, and uh, yeah, that's that's dedication by their family to uh, have Middleton over there playing in the Olympics and uh, playing for gold tonight. So, sir. all right. So. This sucks because we're going to talk about some free agent targets that we have for the Bucks, And one of mine got signed like an hour before the show started, which was Justice Winslow. But let's talk about the guys they did sign. Um, brought back Bobby Portis for, honestly, less money than I thought that they were going to bring him back for. Um, he got a two-year, $9 million deal. It is a player option for the second year again. But for $4.5 million, when people were saying that he's going to be looking for $10 million a year, you know, I believe that he was coming back because of the way that he talks about the city and how after they won the finals, he talked about coming to Milwaukee being the best decision of his life. You know, mm-hmm. that that kind of stuff really made me feel that he was going to come back. And he is still young, so he can still go and get, you know, a big contract after this season or after next season. Um, so Bobby Portis is back. Uh, brought in Rodney Hood on a veteran minimum deal. Yep. I mean, you take a flyer on a guy who can shoot the three, why not? Uh, brought back George Hill. So there's George Hill is back. 
Um, IUPUI, baby. So I saw a lot of people questioning, oh, why did we bring George Hill back when we just traded him? And basically, the the Bucks had to trade George Hill to make the money situation work out. Dude, that is an amazing free agent pickup. George Hill, are you kidding? And they're dude, they got him for did you see what the deal was? I didn't see the whole whole thing though. No. It's two years, eight million. Oh yeah, I did see that. I did, I did. Two years, eight yeah. million for George Hill. Who yeah, we're gonna yeah. get there, Reggie. We're gonna talk about Grayson Allen. Reggie's ahead of us. Yeah, <laughs> he's getting there. We got we got we got it here. I'll flash the banner. We got trades coming up. All right. Um so George Hill. Playing in the bubble, he was our best three-point shooter. Easily. He was shooting damn near 50% in the bubble from three-pointers during that playoffs. Um, so to have him come in to be a, a solid point guard as our backup point guard. Um, oh, you're good, Reggie. We're going to get there. Um, <laughs> to come in as our backup point guard to back up Drew Holiday instead of Eric Bledsoe. Like We already talked about how big of an upgrade Drew Holiday was over Bledsoe, and now we have an upgrade from Jeff Teague to George Hill as our backup. Not to mention he's already familiar with the team, already familiar with the guys, already familiar with the coach, already familiar with the system, and shoots threes. Like, What else would you want from a free agent? And he plays defense. And he plays defense. And he's a high-character guy, too. I mean, when I was thinking about it, and I wanted Lou Williams because I heard we were reported to Lou Williams. Yep. You know, yep. Also, we got George Hill, and I'm like, actually, you know what? That's better because George Hill does more things. He's, he he's a true point guard. Yeah, he doesn't create off the dribble like a Lou Williams does. Yep. But you don't, you're, you're not going to pay a guy like that to – you know, you, you, if you're a championship team, you shouldn't have to have a guy like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but we got, Lou Williams we got guys shooting guard. Lou Williams is a shooting guard, and we're going to talk about Grayson Allen. But, you know, Lou Williams is a shooting guard. Drew Hill is a point guard. So getting George Hill really fits the needs of the team better because we yeah. needed a backup point guard. You know, it you know, it showed at times not having Dante in the playoffs that we needed, yeah. you know, another, another defending guard. And they got that, and they're getting Dante back, and they got Grayson Allen, which we're going to talk about. Um, so not you, everybody's excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> We're, we'll get to it because the last guy we got to bring up is Semi Ojale. Uh, they brought him in. He's like actually that. younger than I thought he was. And he's that's actually a pretty him. solid sign. And they got him for a minimum contract as well. Um, he's only 26. So he's the same age as Giannis, actually. Um, and he's actually a pretty good defender. So he's he could fill in that P.J. Tucker role. I'm not saying he's going to be as hard-nosed of a defender as P.J. Tucker is on a guy like Kevin Durant. But um, he's actually had some games where he's defended Giannis pretty well. I you mean, know. he's been in the league long enough now. He's been in the playoffs. Like, he's been in situations for a guy who's 26. So, like, yeah. he knows his role, and he's he's pretty good at it, man, as long as he's he can a, hit those three-pointers. That's that's exactly it. He's a solid three-point shooter. I wasn't able to find a number um, for his three-point shooting on just corner threes, but you go look up semi Ojale highlights, and it's all – Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum driving to the lane and kicking out to Semi Ojale in the corner and him just knocking down corner threes. Okay, so he's so basically a younger be... version of what PJ Tucker gave us. Yep. Um and watching him play, he's six six. He's 240 pounds. Oh, yeah. So he's, he's, he's built. So he's strong. He's got a you know, he's laterally quick, which is something I noticed from watching highlights of his when when the Bucks signed him. Um, he's got he's strong, he's at a low center of gravity, and he's actually really quick to um, to see when guys are getting ready to go up for jump shots. He's really quick at identifying jump shots and contesting jump shots. 
which is something really, really useful when we're talking about James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Trey Young, is being able to identify when those guys are going up for jump shots to be able to contest those without fouling. So Semi Ojale could prove to be a really valuable role player in that type of situation. Um, so we're going to move into now um, after you know the free agency boom and you know, most of the guys are signed. Um, Jake and I each have three free agency targets that you know the Bucks could maybe look to pick up. Um, you know, on like a veteran minimum contract or, you know, just to grab, um, just to kind of fill out the roster and uh, we'll see what happens. Um, Matt, to answer your comment, is Giannis's brother coming back? Um, Thanasis, I would say it's probably, he'll probably be back on a minimum contract or like a $1 million contract. Um, he's, he leads the bench mob. So he's got that impact. Um, obviously he's good at firing up Giannis. And what I actually really like the Nassus for is the last 20 to 40 seconds of quarters. Because the way that he plays with his high intensity and energy that he plays, he will go and give you 150% in those 20 or 40 seconds. And he'll just play like an absolute animal for the end of that quarter. And it's not a big deal if he gets a foul called on him. You know, whereas, you know, Giannis, say Giannis has three fouls in the first half. And you know, picks up the fourth one, right? Like right at the end of the half, like that's that's a big deal. If Thanasis picks up two fouls in the last forty seconds of a quarter, doesn't really hurt you. Right. So having a guy that knows what he's doing and can you know give you that energy and that effort, you know, it could be useful towards the end of a quarter, end of a half. You know, Budenholzer utilized him that way a few times in the playoffs, and he got some momentum plays. And, you know, he fires up the fans. He fires up the team. So I would say he's probably going to be back, but don't expect to see him in the rotation. I agree. So that being said, free agent targets. We each have three. Like I mentioned, Justice Winslow was one of mine. He got signed like two hours ago. Um, let's talk. Do you want to do one each and and then go back and forth? Or do you want to do all three and then I'll do all three? We'll go back and forth here. Let's see what Tim said. All right. We've seen and know that a huge problem. Yep, I agree. All right, so I will give you my first. You want to read uh, the comment? You're just going to respond to it? Oh, sorry. I uh, said, <laughs> here, I'll show it so everybody can read it. I like that. Here we go. Hey, we do audio too, though, bud. You got to read it out. It says, we've seen and know that a huge part for Giannis is to have his brother there. And that's you know, it goes along with, with what I said. You know, he's he fires up the team. He fires up the bench. He fires up the crowd. He fires up Giannis. So he's, you know. His impact is there, even though it doesn't show on a stat sheet. At the end of the day, his impact is keeping Giannis happy. So as long as Giannis is happy and he's wearing a Bucks uniform, Thanasis can play for us with two broken legs and a broken neck. I don't give a shit. He put him in a uniform. That's how I feel, okay? Like the granny <laughs> in Space Jam. <laughs> Man, for real. <laughs> um, so back on track here. My first free agent is James Ennis, actually. Okay. Uh, he's a 3 and D player. He's actually from the same draft as Giannis, if you didn't know. Uh, he said Giannis, Randall Cobb. Yeah, for real. He is Giannis' Randall Cobb. I agree. Um, and that's exactly how I feel. Um, he shot 43% last year from three-pointer, if you didn't know that, for the Magic. So he put up a very, very good percentage. He's a good, tough defender. And honestly, you know, the, all the things that you were saying about Ojale is how I feel about James Ennis, about filling in for PJ. 
He's long. He's athletic. He knows he's there for defense, and he shoots threes. That is it. He knows his role. And actually, you know, he's a guy that came from the second round, kind of like Chris Middleton. Yep. And he's he's actually, in my opinion, he scrapped out a pretty good career. I mean, he was on the Heat, yep. uh, in the Magic Played for Orlando for a while. Yeah, I mean, he's been he's been around the league, scrapping, playing good basketball. Yep. I mean, he he does what he does, and he's a good he's good at it. I like James Ennis. I think James Ennis is one of those. He's kind of like a Tory Craig signing where you're looking at it and you're like, okay, I'm okay with Tory Craig. I mean, Tory Craig wasn't bad at all. I was not yeah. upset that we brought in Tory Craig. I he mean, I wasn't upset that we lost him, but just got lost in the rotation. Yeah, and that could happen to James Ennis too. But Ennis is one of those players. He's 31, so he's been in the league for a while. He's matured enough. Like I said, 40 plus percent on three pointer, and he's good on defense. So that's and, what and that's doing. and that's what this segment we're doing right here is about. It's not. We're not looking for guys that are going to be the sixth man or, you know, playing 20 minutes a game in the playoffs. These are guys where the Bucks can take a flyer on a guy, fill out the roster type situation. We're not getting Damian Lillard. If I see one person comment Damian Lillard in these damn comments, I'm going to lose it. We're not getting Lillard. <laughs> Please stop saying that. Somebody do it. Do it. Do it. Come on, Tim. Comment. Say Damian Lillard to the Bucks. Please do not say Damian Lillard. <laughs> We're not getting Lillard. All right. Golly. So before before the Damian Lillard comments start popping up, I want to say my <laughs> my number three is JJ Redick, and okay. basically the thought process there is to replace the the role that Bryn Forbes had, which was to come in and shoot threes and try your best on defense, and that's basically just to fill out the roster with a veteran minimum guy. Um, I'm just gonna flash this comment on here real quick. Um, a veteran minimum guy. <laughs> I love Lillard as much as everybody else, but he's not coming here, man. <laughs> All right. Uh, basically, you know, a veteran minimum guy to come in and knock down threes is basically the motivation for putting JJ Redick on my list. So, um, give me your next guy. All right, my next guy. Uh, his age tells me that he should play for the Lakers because he's old as hell. Um, sorry, I had to throw that thing out there, <laughs> but Paul Millsap, um, okay. he shot 35% from three last year. He's actually still a great rebounder and defender. He'll get in there and do the dirty work for you. You don't need him. He said, dropping down the day, man. I agree. <laughs> uh, oh God, there we go. Now everybody's saying, <laughs> all right, that's three and counting. Here we go. I like it. I want to see Lakers Bucks next year too, my man. That'll be awesome. That will be awesome. We will run those some of these off the floor, I think. Um, but back to Paul Millsap. Two years ago, he shot forty three percent from three. Like I said, he can stretch the floor on offense. He can actually finish in the paint yet pretty well. Um, he's a good tough interior defender, and he's he's did, a good rebounder. Did he play for Budenholzer in Atlanta? I think he, he did. did. He played. My God, I yeah. didn't even make that connection. You're welcome. That's what I'm here for, man. Also, yes, Reggie, he would hit a lot of threes for us. He would hit a ton of threes for us. All right. So I want to say, you know, if you followed the show for a while, that when Jake and I do, you know, free agents or trade targets, that a lot of times we have, like, a ton of the same people. Like, it showed definitely when we did Packers free agents. Um, we're in a situation where Jake and I might actually have three different guys each. That's, you know, and we didn't plan that. So we are going to have three in here. I guarantee you don't have my next guy. I guarantee it. If you say that and we have the same last guy, I will drive to Appleton and punch you in the dough. If we do, I'll do a pie to my face. 
All right. My second guy is Demarcus Cousins. <laughs> Shut your mouth. <laughs> All right. Well, I can guarantee you're not going to have my last guy then. Um, okay, I have <laughs> I have Demarcus Cousins on here just for um, you know a, we, a backup center because right now our backup centers are Bobby Portis and Giannis who are already on our depth chart at power forward. So that's my motivation for Demarcus Cousins. I'll let Jake finish up now, seeing as that's obviously his number one guy. Okay, I said Demarcus Cousins for some of the same reasons, but some of the different reasons. Um, he could do pick and roll. He could do pick a pop. He could post up. Um, but I also put it in there because you know there's games where maybe Brooke isn't you know hitting his shots, is not playing the best, but he's still giving you defense. I think we could still get that same kind of defensive impact to block every once in a while out of Cousins, but get more offensive output. That was my thought process behind it. And but it really, happened. what I what I think is going to happen is I think Cousins is going to end up on the Nets. I really think that's going to happen. I can see I mean, that. We'll see. It. We'll see what happens with Lamarcus Aldridge because he said he might come back now after you know getting a a clean bill of health from some doctors. So wants the ring so bad, dude. He was on the Lakers. He was on the Warriors. Like he's trying to get a ring so bad because he w- Let's be honest. He was going to be a superstar for the yeah. Kings. That's how for good the this guy was in his prime. And he just got derailed by injuries. So now the only yeah. thing to save his legacy is to win a couple of rings. All you know, twenty yeah. years from now, people are going to be oh wow, Demarcus Cousins has three rings. Like. That's what he wants to happen. So, and I you know, yeah. Go ahead. No, I just think he's so, going to end up on the Nets. I really do. You know, you mentioned you know there's you know there's bouts of Brook Lopez where he doesn't play the best, and it happened last season when we were talking in you know July or July January and February. You know, I went on a couple of rants about Brook Lopez. He was not playing well in was. the middle of the season, and you know we gave him credit where it was due. He picked up his game and we, you know, we gave him credit and said, you know, this is the best that Brooke Lopez has been playing going into a playoffs. And, you know, he was definitely part of the title run and we needed him. But, you know, he goes in some stretches where he's not playing the best. And then, like yeah, I said, the, you know, the, the backup centers that the Bucks have are Giannis and Bobby Portis. I and, just, you know, Bobby, you know Bobby's not a great defender. We talked about it. He's yep. hopefully he can improve. But, um, you know, we need a backup center, in my opinion. I guess the only thing I'll ever talk about Brooke with is once in a while. Okay, I'm trying to be nice, but his shot selection is not the greatest. Yeah, you know he I hits agree. a three, and then he'll t- he'll he'll do one of those pump fake and like fade away threes from like 50 feet away, and you're like, bro, do you understand? You outweigh this guy by 90 pounds. Get your big ass down low. What are you doing? I just don't understand sometimes with Brooke Lopez. I love Brooke Lopez. He's a funny guy, but Holy camoly, dude. Stop with the fadeaway 50-footers, man. <laughs> yeah. I just don't love Especially that. when he does it with, like, 14 seconds left on the shot clock. Yeah. And like I'm saying, when he pump fakes and the guy's, like, right there and then he fades, I'm just like, he makes them every once in a while, too, which is even worse. Because I know. That's just guaranteed he's going to shoot another one. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know. I don't I don't love his shot selection. I love his defense, and I love what everything else he brings. But yeah, so other than that. To my point of needing a backup center, I'm glad you didn't bring this guy up because I've been keeping him secret for a few days. And my last guy is Willie Hernan Gomez. Okay. He's 6'11". He's kind of been around the league a little bit. Um, Last season, 7.8 points, 7.1 rebounds, 56.3% field goal percentage. I would happily take that out of our backup center to get 8 points and 7 rebounds 
in you know 10 12 minutes a game so i mean willie hernan gomez is my last guy he's 6 11 you could come in and play that center position and you know he's he's tough he's a tough guy he doesn't take you know he doesn't take stuff from anybody um so that would be that would be my last guy if we're talking about guys to to grab and fill out the roster so um jake you want to take the the lakers comment i'll let you take that one again all right so you can keep going well, on the lakers. Lopez and a 37 year old from the lakers well there's a couple 37 year olds on the lakers so i need to know exactly which one you're talking about are you talking about lebron are you talking about mellow I know that Dwight Howard is going to be 37. This Oh, no. Dwight Howard is only 34. I think he's 30. He's, yeah. he's pretty close. So I need to know uh, what 37-year-old you're talking about. If you're talking about LeBron, <laughs> I think you're uh, – I would rather have Brooke Lopez than Dwight Howard. I mean, I would rather have Brooke Lopez than Dwight Howard too. But if you're talking about you'd rather have Brooke Lopez over LeBron, I think you need to go see your doctor tomorrow and not go to work. <laughs> I mean, we, we talked about it during some of the Bucks 76ers games last year that Dwight Howard got out-rebounded by Pat Connaughton a couple times. So I would Dwight rather Howard have Do you see – okay, I'm going to talk about Dwight Howard now. He was doing impersonations the other day because apparently everybody in the Lakers that's old has feelings, and they're in their feelings right now. Uh, LeBron, uh, Meloa never says anything. He just kind of goes out there and shoots mid-rangers all day. But – Dwight was Cage doing a one for seventeen, and Dwight is hurt by Shaq's comments, where <laughs> Shaq said that Giannis earned the Superman title. So he was just talking about that. He was he was kind of ripping into Shaq a little bit, and I'm kind of like, bro, your prime was the fastest prime I've ever seen in my entire life, because you had a prime of two years where you were just <laughs> crazy good in Orlando. You led them to the finals, and then all of a sudden you went to L.A. Kobe called you a Bet, bet, bet. And that was pretty much it from there. I'm just gonna say, because he went to Houston, he wasn't nothing. Atlanta, he bounced around, man. He's been on. He's he did. On he a, bounced around a lot. He's been on a different team like almost every year, like the Hornets, Philly, Lakers, and now it's his third stint with the Lakers. Like he's bounced around a lot over all the 37 year olds. You <laughs> want him over all of them? That's funny. <laughs> I would. I will say. I. Honestly, I wouldn't be excited about signing Carmelo Anthony. See, okay, let's just do this real quick before we do our rookie reports. Um, the Lakers overall, they signed good basketball players. Yeah. Like, they're all good basketball players. I'm yeah. not going to say that they're not. Yeah. Collectively, in my head, I just don't know how LeBron and Westbrook works. And this is the only way that I think it works. This is the only scenario I came up with. You could disagree with me if you want. It is what it is. In the fast break, you got to give it to Westbrook because he's still young enough and athletic enough to go finish that. In the half court, you get that ball right over to LeBron and you use Westbrook on back screens and, and you let LeBron because he's so smart and a great passer. Westbrook is too. But if you're asking me who I trust more, it's LeBron to make oh, that yeah. correct pass. Yep. So that's the only way I see that relationship working. Or you just have Westbrook play when LeBron sits. You that's when you yeah, tell him that, that, that was that. that crossed my mind too, is to use them because they're both ball dominant players. Like the yeah. Lakers have been using LeBron at point guard since they signed him, basically. Um so you know, you, you can kind of stagger them a little bit and you know you have an all-star superstar on the floor at all times if you kind of stagger them a little bit. Yep. Um you know. But that's up to the Lakers to figure out. Um, what the Bucks figured out today, before we get to the rookies, because 
this transitions into it is trades. And, you know, we really only had one to talk about, which was trading the draft picks. Mm-hmm. Um, but now we have Grace and Allen to talk about. Um, probably not going to go over super well as far as PR is concerned with Wisconsin fans, seeing, you know, um, in the NCAA tournament when Grace Allen was at Duke, you know, the few dirty plays that he had um, in, you know, in some of those games. But, um, you know, I feel similarly, honestly, I can, I can say that I personally don't like Grayson Allen as a, as a, as a, you know, the things that he's done in the past, <laughs> but if, uh, if Grayson Allen can come in, like we mentioned already, there's a lot of high character guys on this team, guys like Giannis and Drew and Middleton and Bobby and George Hill. Now, if, you know, if they can kind of coach up the character of a guy like Grayson Allen, um, He's basically profiles as a guy who does the same exact stuff that Dante does. And we basically have two Dantes now. And we, you know, we've, we talked about the impact of having Dante in the starting lineup as a defender and as a guy who can play alongside of Giannis, Chris and drew. Um, And now we have two of them basically is what we did there. So we traded Sam Merrill, who is basically the same age as Grayson Allen, but Grayson Allen is an upgrade at that shooting guard position because he's, you know, he's not shy from the big moment. Um, you know, he's had games where he's scored 20, 25 points. He had a 40-point game last year. Um, he scored he's a lot 30, on us last year. He's a, yeah, he did. He's a 38% career three-point shooter. And, you know, we, we sent two seconds to the Grizzlies for him. Um, so, yeah, basically that's where we're at with the trade that the Bucks made today is we now have two Dantes. I mean – it's all right with me because I like Dante. As long as as long as he doesn't do the dirty stuff and he scraps and grabs rebounds and hits three pointers, by all That's means, it. strap him yep. up, baby. That's it. Yep. You got another three and D guy. So the other trade the Bucks made was on draft night. They traded the thirty first pick to Indiana and they got two draft picks out of it and two future seconds, which they used to acquire Grayson Allen. And we're gonna kick it over to Jake. <laughs> and we're going to talk about the two draft picks that the Bucks made. And all right, Jake, get after it. Jake is going to take right. the first one, and I'm going to take the second one. So <clears throat> with the 54th <laughs> pick, the Milwaukee Bucks select. By the way, this has been giving me anxiety all day. <laughs> Just do it. Just do it. <laughs> all right. He's a 6'11", 240-pound lefty, smooth as silk power forward from Seton Hall. His name is Sandrew. Mama Kel Ashvali. That is the that best I could do with that name. That is the best I could do with that name. That's not From bad. Here on out, I will be calling him Seton Hall until I master this name. So you just call I him Mamu or Sandro. I, I don't know. I kind of like Seton Hall. I think it fits him, to be honest with you. Like, hey, what's up, Seton Hall? Like, I think he would respond to that. Um, but anyways, man, I was watching this cat, man, and he's got a lot to offer. I mean, he played power forward in college. But, you know, I'm going to go with the negatives first because I like the bad news first. When I, In my house, we do bad news first. He's laughing at me. Jay's laughing. Jay, this thing been giving me anxiety all day. I've literally been texting Tyler since like 8 a.m. Like, dude, I can't pronounce it. Uh, we have a group chat with all of our Packer buddies in it, and we've been we've been giving Jake shit all morning about yeah, pronouncing that I'm name. I'm like, bro, this is, this is when When it comes to pronouncing names, like uh, during the, the draft prep when we were doing Packers mock drafts and stuff, I was the name pronunciation guy. 
He was. Um, he was. So, so putting Jake in the name pronunciation hot seat was was a lot of fun. So I was texting yeah, Tyler. Right. I was like, they couldn't draft a Williams or a Jones. No, they had to go for Mamukel Ashvale. Like, who? What? But anyways, he's from Georgia, country of Georgia. Um, he averaged seventeen point five points, seven point six rebounds, and three point two assists. Um, he's smooth as silk, man. Honest to God, that is how I feel about this guy. His jumper looks nice. Uh, he's he got a left-handed jumper. He does. He does. Um, so I'm gonna go with the negatives. Um, he doesn't block a lot of shots. Uh, he doesn't have great lateral quickness. So in the NBA, I would really like to see him play more center because you know if you put him at power forward, when people have their small forwards in, they're gonna do the treatment what Giannis did last year where he backs up and then he just goes straight at you because you can't move side to side with him. So putting him at center would really be the best fit for him. And one thing I want to see from him because he kind of lacked it. And I watched, I watched two of the games, two games. And then I watched a bunch of like draft YouTube, um, you know, videos that are like 12 to 15 minutes long or whatever. But one thing that I want him to improve on is his pull up jumper because he has, he actually has a really, really nice handle. And he's not very creative with his handle. He, you know, you set a pick for him and he can get, he could bully ball his way to the rim and he finishes with both hands, even though he's a natural left hander. Yeah, he can or throw down. He could, yeah, he could throw down. I mean, he's 6'11. But if he can get around the screen and give you a pull up jumper, because he has a nice looking set shot um, on catch and shoots this last year on three pointers, he shot 37%. That's pretty good for a guy you're going to put in at center at 6'11", 240. Um, so when I was really, really, you know, looking at this, his strengths, passing, he's he's got good mobility on offensive end, not defense. He doesn't know how to position his feet. And he has really good shooting upside, in my opinion. He's a good free throw shooter, good catch and shoot. If you give him that little pull-up jumper, he could, he could be great, honest to God. Um, he can run pick and rolls as the ball handler, which I thought was insane. You know, at 6'11", he's very smooth. But I told you this this morning. When I was really thinking about who he reminds me of, it was two players that came to mind, and I combined them into one. One was Nikola Jokic, which is not that hard of a name to say now. And two was Lamar Odom. He reminds me, he reminds me a lot of Lamar with his – with the way he passes the ball, he would get into the to the paint, get double teamed, and do a little scoop underpass underneath the big man, and his center would get a nice dunk. And when I was watching that, I was just like, "Oh man, that's gonna be nice watching him do that with Giannis, bro." Because Giannis is gonna throw all those puppies down, and he did he did a really nice job, I thought, where he would get the screen from the the center, and I could see you know a Grayson Allen now or Dante Divincenzo or a Pat Connaughton. They would send the guard back door, and he threw a perfect lob in the. And the guard would catch it and throw it down. And I'm like, this guy's a great passer for a big man. Good, 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 quick shot. And I mean, he's going to be a good player. I think, I think in, I think you hit the nail on the head where you said, if he, he gets a little stronger, he could really, really turn into something. So, you know, listening to the way that you talk about him and, you know, the skill set that he has to me, what they did with this pick is if they can, they can, you know, beef him up a little, you know, make him a little stronger, a little faster. He did sign a two-way contract, so he will probably play a lot with the herd this year. Um, is if they can develop him, that he could be a potential Brook Lopez replacement. I think we have to go to a herd game, buddy. We might have to go to a herd game. Um, I will say that 
the other draft pick that the Bucks made is probably going to spend all of the year on the herd. Um, definitely seemed more of a, a draft and stash kind of guy. And that is Georgios Kalitzakis or Kalitzakis, <laughs> whichever you want to say. Um, you picked yours, by the way. When we did this, we said we're each going to take one. You picked Sandro, so that's on hey, you. <laughs> I'm laughing because your pronunciation was perfect, and I'm struggling. <laughs> that's what I do. Just say, uh, you know, Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa and Ifatu Malafanwu. That's what I'm here for. And Mamadi Diakite. That's what I'm here for. I'm the pronunciation guy. Um, <laughs> but to me, honestly, he kind of reminds me of, of Jordan Wara a little bit. He's almost exactly the same size. He's 6'7", 205. Um, he's 23 years old, so he's a little bit older than you know some of the draft picks. Um, but he's still younger than Sam Merrill was, so there's that. Um, he came from Greece, and he'd been in the the Greece professional league, and he'd won four championships over there. So he's got a you know he's he's used to winning, which is you know you know something you like having in a guy. Um, yep. I will say, um, I'll do the bad news first: is that he seems more drafted for his future potential than any sort of immediate impact. You know, you're looking at the 60th pick overall. That's where you're at. Um, doesn't – he's not a bad shooter. He's definitely a willing shooter, but he's he's had some situations where he misses a lot of shots. Um, but he can knock down the three-pointer. Uh, he's a decent ball handler. He's got a good dribble pull-up move. Um, he's comfortable in a catch and shoot, which is where, you know, if that's something that he works on, he could find a role with the Bucks in the future is as a catch and shoot guy. Um, and like I said, he's got the four championships, so he's got a, a winning mentality and he's used to winning. So, um, you know, that profiles well. And then, you know, on top of it, you get a little bonus and he's from the same place as the MVP. So um, you get another Greek in there and, you know, some, some instant chemistry there. So, I mean, um, I think the Bucks are trying to build the entire Greek national team in Milwaukee, and w- with Drew, Chris, and Bobby. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say Jordan Wara playing for the Nigerian national team uh, is playing pretty well. He had a game just a couple weeks, just uh, last week. He scored thirty three points. I thought you had a picture of Jordan Wara behind us, and you were going to show us. No, I'll blow the camera up because it was starting to scare me. <laughs> um. Yeah, Matt, that's where I'm going with this. What are we expecting from Jordan Wara in year two? This ties back into the free agency thing. I saw a lot of people saying, you know, why aren't we going after this guy? Why aren't we going after this guy? Why aren't we going after this guy? And I kept saying, all those people that are making all those complaints are the same ones that wanted Jordan Wara to get playoff time. Yeah. And we kept saying, it's not happening. He's going to acclimate for a year. They're going to work on the things they want him to get better at. He wasn't a top 10 pick. He wasn't an immediate impact pick. You're not seeing second round players playing playoff rotation minutes for championship contending teams. It just doesn't happen ever. So that being said, Jordan War is going to get a chance to have an expanded role this year. He's going to get a chance. They, you know, He's got the potential to be a, a really good shooter. It shows he's confident when he shoots. He's athletic. So he'll he'll be active on the rebounds. He needs to improve as a defender, which is one of the things that kept him, you know, from getting a chance in some of the rotations and stuff. But he's he's gonna get a chance to have a role this year. So while the Bucks didn't get Oladipo, and obviously they weren't gonna get, say, Kawhi Leonard, but um 
you know, it's it's a situation where the Bucks aren't going to make a big splash. The Bucks just won a championship. You want to turn the whole roster over? I don't. What well, I wanted to do was to keep – you want to keep as many of the things as you can that were obviously important. You want to upgrade where you can, replace what you lost, which they did with losing P.J. Tucker. They brought in Semi Ojale. And losing Bryn Forbes is where I thought maybe they could bring in a guy like George Hill. Obviously, Jeff Teague was only brought on for the end of the season. They replaced him with George Hill. Maybe they could bring in a J.J. Redick. And then you want to develop the guys that you've had. And obviously, the Bucks did make a little bit of a splash. You know, it's not a, it's not a huge thing. Grayson Allen's not an all-star. But they brought in another guy. They brought in a Grayson Allen who, like, I, like we said, it's basically another Dante which now leaves them with Jordan Wara to develop so that the, the Bucks can sustain success. So that's that's where we're at with Jordan Wara. I expect him to get to get some minutes this year. Um, I still wouldn't expect him to crack a playoff rotation, but maybe. I mean, we'll see what happens. But um, as far as going forward, he's going to get some he's going to get a chance. And now, you know, Jake and I just talked about the two guys the Bucks drafted. They're they're probably going to spend most of their time in Appleton with the Wisconsin herd. Oshkosh, Oshkosh, whatever. I was thinking, I'm thinking Appleton because that's where the Timber Rattlers are. I know. I mean, I'm right. I'm right in the middle of both those. So if you ever want to go to a game, <laughs> you just let me know. <laughs> All right. So that being said, do you have anything else for the Bucks? No, not right now. Okay. No. So the last thing we want to talk about is a Badger basketball situation. Um, I heard it when I was coming out of work the other day. Um, It broke from a um, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel article, and I immediately asked Jake if he had heard what was going on. Um, After the Badger season was over, there was a lot of questioning about why Alondo Tucker wasn't coming back why he wasn't going to be back with the team in 2021. And there, you know, especially after the the Greg Gard thing, which we talked about a few weeks ago, um, you know, with the player coaches meeting that was recorded yeah. and released. And, you know, it was who released mm-hmm. it. And some people were saying Alondo Tucker. Um, with what's come out now, I would say it probably was Alondo Tucker that leaked that. And basically what happened with Alondo Tucker was that he went to Barry Alvarez trying to get Greg Gard fired so that he could take over the head coaching job. And so that obviously didn't go his way. Um, there was rumors that he was trying to undercut Greg Gard in the locker room, you know, with certain position groups of players. And then after that, when it was, you know, announced that Barry Alvarez was retiring. Um, Do buddy. A lot. Yeah, take care, Jay. Um, Alondo Tucker was uh, put on the committee for selecting the new athletic director. And what was reported was that Alondo Tucker was trying to push for one candidate that he was close to and friends with, hoping that he would fire Greg Gard and put Alondo Tucker in the head coaching position. And then, you know, um, obviously they didn't pick his guy that he was hoping would get the job and Greg Gard is going to stay as the head coach. So basically what's going on with Alondo Tucker, and he's obvious, I, would, I guess I would, shouldn't say obviously, but as expected has denied everything that's come out 
Um, he just made a statement on Wednesday saying that it's all false and, you know, it's all misunderstanding and stuff like that. Um, but that's basically where Alondo Tucker is at, is that he was basically trying to steal Greg Gard's job. And that's that's where I am with the um, recording of the player coaches meeting is, is that it was probably Alondo Tucker that leaked it. I don't know about uh, if you have anything else to say on the subject. Uh, yeah, I was just reading a little bit about it and uh, it talks about, you know, like you said, he tried to polarize the locker room by telling players to disregard mm-hmm. advice from other assistant coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, that is some dirty shit. <laughs> I'm just going to say that right now. If, if this is true, and I really hope it's not because Alonzo Tucker is one of my favorite Wisconsin basketball players ever. I'm sure he is for a lot of people our age because he was really the star when we were little kids. He was I mean, challenging Kevin Durant for Player of the Year. I know, yeah, I mean we were we were young kids, you know, when oh Wisconsin was number one, Ohio State was number or Wisconsin was number two, you know, Ohio State was number they one. Went back to a bunch of times. I mean, yeah, that was crazy times, man. I think we were freshmen when that happened. That was um, fun. But yeah, he was he was great for us. Played great for us as a basketball player. I was really excited when we brought him on. I think it was like 2018 or 2019. We it happened when Howard Moore's family was in that car accident. Yeah, and he and lost his wife and daughter, right? Yeah. So yeah, I mean it was an unfortunate situation, but you know, I mean it, it worked out and he you know he came back for last season as well. Um, and that's you know, that's why people were wondering like why isn't he coming back? So yeah. Yeah. Um I don't know, man. I just really hope that it's not true. If it is, uh, Alonzo Tucker needs to look deep inside himself and understand that this is not how you take people's jobs, man. That's just straight up dirty. Don't do that. And guard's really not that bad of a coach, in my opinion. You could definitely do a lot worse than Greg Guard. Does he make some mistakes at times? Yeah. But I think Wisconsin, and I think this is part of the reason why we have such – I want to be politically correct. We have a lot of – I don't know. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna say I, we have a lot of whiners. You know, when I go through our sports groups, Packers, Brewers, Bucks, Badgers, doesn't matter. It could be you know, it could be the Admirals. Um, I just see a lot of whining. You know, because we expect to win, and that's not a bad thing to expect greatness. But people also have to have a, a level of understanding with winning. Um, the Badgers have had great teams come up short. Uh, this next season, I can't wait to do the preview. We're gonna have to do a lot of research on a lot of. Oh, I'm so kids. excited for Jonathan Davis, dude! Yeah, he's gonna be a stud. We all know that. Um, he made the U19 USA Select team, and that's obviously a high honor. Um, so I, I'm excited to do that. We're excited for the new season. Um, but other than that, man, I got nothing. Um, in regards to Badgers football, he said, "Okay, but how? how all right." I'm. This is my plug your ears. You plug your kids ears. <laughs> I'm, ready serious. I'm ready for this. Okay, Matthew. This is not geared towards you. This is geared towards society. We live in a society right now where it's not about getting the correct information out. It's not about taking the time, doing the research, putting the whole body of work together, and Checking telling the courses. truth. It's not about that right now. With social media and technology, it's about getting it out there first. So how do we know how true that was? Maybe they don't have a good relationship. But I don't think, I don't believe the media a lot, my man. 
my man Tim. That's why you win. That's why you win uh, twenty five dollars from. <laughs> um, but it's not about putting the right information out there, and I don't know how true it was. Maybe they don't get along. Maybe Goot said something to Rogers, and Rogers is a petty guy, man. Let's be honest. He holds on to things for a long time. He holds grudges. I've held a grudge before in my life, but at this point in my life, I don't really give a shit. I still got to go to work tomorrow, so it ain't gonna bother me that much. <laughs> but the matter of the fact is we got to put the right information out there. Me and Tyler only do this show once a week, right? So we put a lot of work in during that week to give you guys the right information, teach you about things, maybe make you look at things from a different perspective. We're not going to put false stuff out there because that's not how we want to be remembered. We're not trying to be the first to, to report everything because we're going to let things settle down first before we report it and then give our opinions on it. Not everybody's like that. I don't need Joe Schmo. Tell me about Rogers is mad at Gunakus. I don't know you, bro. Just because you got a Twitter account doesn't mean that you have the right to talk about or like or that. Mark Schlereth saying that a, a Rogers trade to the Broncos is as close to a done deal. I'm still waiting for that trade. <laughs> I'm still. I lost a lot of respect for Adam Schefter in this offseason. So and, you know this conversation about Rogers Gutekunst. It's. It's a situation where Rodgers classified their relationship as a work in progress. Yeah. And, you know, the, the press conference that Rodgers had after day one of, of practice was that he wanted his input heard. And that, to me, you know, it's not something that, you know, wanting to be getting guys fired, but it was wanting to feel respected. And I get that. I get it. But. You know, it's a situation where we talked about it last week when we talked about the first pack of practice, which Jake and I went to, was <clears throat> that quarterbacks are the smartest players in the field generally, mo usually, most of the time. And, you know, you think about the smartest quarterbacks in football, and Rodgers is going to be at the top of basically everybody's list unless you're a Bears or Vikings fan. <laughs> and that being said is why would you not want to take the, one of the smartest players in football and listen to what he has to say? So I don't think that it was, you know, that he wanted somebody fired, but it's if somebody hears a report that says Rodgers felt disrespected by Gutekunst because of unwillingness to listen about free agency opinions. Now you take that, twist it, say Rodgers wants Gutekunst fired because he doesn't listen to him, and you put that on Twitter on draft day and say that Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to come back to Green Bay, and you have Adam Schefter. <laughs> Pretty much, buddy. You know what? And <laughs> when this when this first came out, man, I made the comparison that it's like arguing with my girlfriend. I could say something and she could take one of the words in my sentence that could be this damn long and she could flip it around to make me the bad guy because that's just how <laughs> fantastic women are at this. It's crazy. I never understand how everything is my fault. But then when I think about the conversation, I'm like, oh, that's where she went with that. Okay, that makes sense. That is what Adam Schefter does for a profession. I just don't understand. I just, and then, you know, man. and Rogers yeah. even said it himself that, you know, it wasn't a draft day thing, but you know, that Schefter put that out in the morning, a draft day on purpose for the attention. Of course, there's millions of viewers on draft day. We didn't have football since February. You know, I mean, come the NFL on, is going to be trending on draft day. Yeah. And Adam Schefter knew what he was doing. He did that on purpose. He's a, he's a dirty little five, six weasel. And if I saw him right now, I would grab him like a football and I would punt him. That's how I feel. Yeah. I Like I said, I lost a lot of respect for Adam Schefter this offseason because of that, you know. And, you know, you yeah. said it, Jake, that it's not about 
being correct when you report stuff. It's about being first, which is sad. You know, that's the that's the instant information era that we're in. It's and, so you know, cool. you said it really well that that's why we do the show weekly. We take a whole bunch of notes. We give facts and stats and then, you know, some opinions based on that. But we're not going to be, you know, the Bucks traded for Grayson Allen. We're not going to, you know, we're not going to take that and we're going to be like, hey, the Bucks traded for Grayson Allen. That means they're trading Dante. Yeah. I because saw somebody say that the other day. <laughs> that's, yeah. Dude, I saw somebody say we should trade Dante, Pat, and Lopez for Buddy Healed. Yeah. I was like, bro. I, yeah. I, I, I saw that. Um, I, but, you know, we're not taking something that has a small contextual meaning and taking it, twisting it, and saying that it means this. You know, we're not saying that the Bucks trading for Grayson Allen means that they're trading Dante or that signing George Hill means that we're trading Drew Holiday for Damian Lillard, like something like that. That's, you know. Do you know what Grayson Allen signing is? It's another body to throw at James Harden and Kyrie Irving. That's exactly what it is. That is what I, as where I'm taking it, and that's what I think. Where it's going to throw another Dante. Told you, he's another Dante. He's another yeah, guard people. We're going to throw him at James Harden and Kyrie Irving, and they're going to figure it out. That's exactly what that is. All right, yeah. man. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's where we're at. Um, Next week we are going to are we doing some uh, some fantasy football tips next week? Yes, sir. We are. We're going to do some fantasy football. It's going to be fantasy football season, my favorite season of all seasons because I always win a ton of money. Last year I won over I think it was fourteen hundred dollars on fantasy football, which allowed okay. me to buy my new Xbox and my brand new sixty five inch curved smart TV that's in my living room. Thank you. All for right. That so if, uh, if Jake's analysis starts trending downward in the next couple of months, we'll know why. <laughs> uh, <laughs> probably. <laughs> I just feel good about fantasy football. I don't know. I yeah, love so we're gonna we're gonna give some fantasy football tips next week. Um, we're gonna talk definitely more Brewers because we're gonna see what they do this weekend against the Giants. Uh, hopefully, we're talking about uh, Drew and Chris bringing home a gold medal to go with their championship trophy. Yes, um, and we'll see if any other Bucks news comes out or Packers news comes out yep. as as training camp wraps up. And I think we're going to also give some players to watch in the preseason. So yep. um, transitioning from from talking about the Bucks a little less into talking about the Packers a little bit more. So I'm um, looking and forward Badgers. to doing our, our – uh, and the Badgers, yep. So we're looking forward to getting into our, our second season um, of our, our first sport. So um, end of September is going to be the first the first year of the Wisco Fanatics show. So I want to thank everybody that pays attention to the show and – and shares it around and and comments on the show while we're doing the show. So, um, do, do me a favor, everybody that's watching, everybody that's going to watch. Do me a favor, invite your friends, bring everybody over, join the discussion. We love the live comments. We love this part of the show. We and, want more and, people. So, bring them on. For anybody over, who who follows on the or watches the show from the Wisconsin Sports Heroics page, um, we want to thank Wisconsin Sports Heroics for for letting us work through their page. And, you know, coming over to the Wisco Fanatics page, that's where you can see we do stuff like pie bets. And, you know, we we share some of the stats that we talk about on the show so that you can share that with other people. Because mm-hmm. we're, you know, above all else, like we're fans. Yeah. So we we enjoy finding these stats that make you go, oh, okay, that's cool. Like like the, the Brewers being 
second, <laughs> can I invite Dame? <laughs> if you can get Damian Lillard on this goddamn show, you'll get the goddamn all the all the. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna hang up a Damian Lillard jersey like right over here. Yeah, next week. yeah for real. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, come over to the Wisco Fanatics page and and check out some of the other stuff that we do aside from you know the weekly shows. Um, and 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 share it with your friends. I mean, that's what we want to do is we want to share the the discussions of our favorite teams with everybody that's what we love to do that's that's what we do every day is we talk about sports and we watch sports that's what we like to do so yes sir yes sir all right you got anything else no i hear my baby crying so i'm gonna go change a poopy diaper because i guarantee that's what it is all right well we will be back on wednesday next week back on our normal wisco fanatics wednesday so take care man see you on wednesday hey take care Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.